Welcome to number nine of Stick to Football. I'm joined as always by Connor Rogers and the third time now, we're just letting this dude hang out with us all summer, I guess. Marshall Miller here to help us break down the 2018 running backs. Guys, we have a a quick show today. It's going to be a fun show, really open-ended. We're going to disappoint you. We do not have a celebrity guest today. We don't have a featured guest. You're just stuck with the three of us, but we're going to have fun. Uh, We're going to talk about if the top quarterback should declare if Connors Jets or the Browns end up with the first pick, the stupidity of the NCAA, which I could talk about for hours. We're going to rank some French fries. And as always, we're going to take your questions for draft on draft in the show. Uh, but really, uh, you know, Marshall and I just got back from Florida where I successfully threw up in the ocean. Connor, I know you're proud of me. Nice. <laughs> it was, That's uh, impressive. It, I've not done that yet. Uh, it was mostly saltwater. Uh, I, I came up and a Ugh. wave was there and I got a saltwater <laughs> mouthful. And um, it were you hung over, though? Um, no, it was our first day. So I was just drunk. I wasn't hung over. Wow. <laughs> That's um, awful. But. We started by doing tequila shots at like 10 in the morning and then, oh, we're going to go to the ocean and it's going to be fun. And oh, yeah. But I felt great after that. I it was a I rallied pretty hard after throwing up in the ocean. But it was uh, it was a much needed five day break. And now we're now we're here to talk 2018 draft because this this monster never stops, man. Yeah, we're going to talk about the running backs today, which is going to be awesome. I think we each have a quote from an NFL scout to keep that moving this summer. And um, but, you know, we want to kick it off with something that was really interesting this week. And it's really simple to me. And, and you know, I like Colin Coward, actually. I think he, he has a lot of interesting takes. I, I think when he was at ESPN, he was really good. I think the move to Fox has been fine. But I just couldn't agree in the slightest bit when he said guys like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or, you know, anything like that should go back to school to get better if whatever opportunity is presented to them at the end of the year, say they're you know, being selected number one overall by the Browns or the Jets. Listen, at the end of the day, there's a couple of layers to this, and it's pretty simple. You don't go back to school because the teams that are picking at the top are terrible because the teams that are picking at the top are always terrible. Where the Titans, Titans were an awful team before Marcus Mariota. The Bucks were awful before Jameis, and it goes on years beyond that before that. But at the same time, why would you go – those guys are – listen, Darnold's got a little bit of ways to go. I think Rosen's going to c- come out this year and show that, you know, he is the real deal. By the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise me if both of them are projected – are locks for the top five, maybe top three. Why go back to school and risk the injury and pass up the money? And how much better are you, Matt? Like, how much better are you actually getting by going back to school rather than going to an NFL program? I think small amount of improvement, and especially when – you're a third-year player. You know, like this year, Josh Allen decided to go back to Wyoming, and we all applauded him for that because you get another year of experience. But when you've already played he your needed three to. Years, yeah. He did. When you've played your three, there are, there are very few precedents for that. Peyton Manning might be the only one of a guy who went back for his fourth year. You know, I mean, Andrew Luck went back for his redshirt junior year, which a lot of people were surprised by. That has obviously worked out for him. But, man, if I'm Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold or Josh Allen – I do not give a shit who has the first pick in the draft. I want to be the first pick in the draft because every athlete, and I understand Colin Cowherd doesn't get this. Every athlete is wired to think I'm going to be drafted by the Browns. And guess what? I'm going to be the guy who turns them around. I'm going to be the quarterback who saves the Cleveland Browns. If you're, if you don't think like that, I don't want you as my quarterback, especially with the number one pick. That's a lot of money for these guys too to turn down. Like you said, Melo, like, are you going to turn down that guaranteed money? And back to Matt's point, you know, how are you wired? 
I don't know, man. They don't come into the program. Like, I think I actually heard it best from an evaluator once is that guys that are wired the right way come into losing programs and they don't buy into that. They don't, they are so unaware and don't soak up that losing culture mentality because they come in with such a different mindset. So, I mean, listen, it's as simple as that. I just don't see how, why they wouldn't declare. Now, there's position players that I think that you leave way too early and they don't get drafted and sometimes don't even get a chance. But quarterback seems to be a totally different animal, especially the ones at the, the top of the draft. And, you know, the other thing we really wanted to get into today, another great, when I say great, I mean awful NCAA story of it just stupidity is what it is when I believe it's UCF's kicker. Is that correct? Yeah. I believe it's, yeah, it's their kicker. He's a, he's a specialist, a kickoff specialist. Runs a YouTube channel, which is a lot – people that run real-deal YouTube channels between the video editing and you know the day-to-day content, it's a lot of work. And he's, he was profiting off of ads for the YouTube channel, and he has a family back in Costa Rica that he said the bills are piling up. He sends money to them off the YouTube channel. You know, Push comes to shove. The NCAA put the kibosh on the whole thing and said, you can either still play football or you can make the YouTube videos, but one of them has to go. And when you look, dive deep into the story of this, it's so ridiculous and just completely kills the human element of this. If this isn't, you know what I mean? You're just owned by the NCAA, it feels like, at this at this point. Yeah, you really are. And I think it's weird because you signed that letter of intent. And it's like, I, I would understand if he were selling jerseys or autographs and he was profiting. But like the secondary stuff shouldn't matter, in my opinion. And And I'm... I'm, I've always been an advocate for, you know, the players should get something, you know, and, and I know they get scholarships and they get stipends, but man, if you're, you know, we've been talking about all these top players, every time UCLA sells a jersey with Josh Rosen's number on it, they're making so much money and he's getting nothing in return for that. I guess you could argue he's getting the opportunity to showcase his talent for the NFL, but he doesn't, he doesn't need that and, and he could get that anywhere. So the NCAA is, is, like you said in our, our, our rundown, it's just stupid. And it's funny because you know, I'm always reminded of that quote from the program where Alvin Max says, you know, the NCAA assholes. And that's, man, that's what it is. It's just like, how can we step on these kids more than we already do? How is it not the same thing that like Jeremy Bloom did years ago? He was able to be an Olympic skier and make all that money off advertising. And the NCAA said, yeah, that's cool. Do it probably because they're getting a kickback from all the advertising they're getting because they have a gold medalist playing football for them. But now they're going to tell this kid who's a kicker, who's not doing this as a football thing. It's completely unrelated. He can't do it, but you can let a guy like Jeremy Bloom do it. Yeah. And with Bloom, what they said at the time was it's a separate sport, so it's okay. And like, you know, this kid is like, you know, showing off like, you know, he's doing like trick shot kicks. Like, how can you say that that, is the same thing as as him being a player it's just it, i i don't know of an organization oh yeah i do i know of, i don't know of many organizations <laughs> that are more out of touch with reality than the ncaa yeah i mean it was just a story that was really striking to me this week and i wanted to give it a little more publicity because it didn't blow up as much as i expected and i i just think that I, it's just it's another example whenever you think they've really outdone themselves they find new ways to just it's stupid it's absolutely Ridiculous, but you know we'll keep it moving. We got to talk about the running backs because this is going to be a another really good running back class this year. And from the college football aspect of it, 
it's simple. These guys are going to be so fun to watch. With and we got to start at the top with Saquon Barkley because he is. I mean, people are going to talk about Geis right now, and obviously Chubb's not going anywhere. Royce Freeman, Balage, but when you look at Barkley. You know, Matt and Mello, have you guys found a, a flaw in his game yet? Nope. And I'll, I'll say, I know Marshall was watching him last night while we were driving home. And yeah, I look at him and I think when you combine the on-field talent with the speed, because he's probably a high 4-3 player, you put it all together. I think Saquon Barkley is the best running back prospect of the last decade. I, I think he's better than Ezekiel Elliott when you factor in the off-field because everyone's worried about Zeke being a knucklehead. I think he's better than Todd Gurley because he doesn't have the injury history. Um, And and even comparing him to someone like Christian McCaffrey, uh, who went early this year, or Leonard Fournette, who went early this year, I I think he's a little more versatile than Fournette, and he's you know 20 pounds bigger than McCaffrey. So I look at him as a no-brainer top-five player for next year's class. The couple things that I saw with Barkley, like Matt said, watching him last night, uh, he bounces stuff outside a lot. I think a lot of that is from his offensive line because he's getting no help from his offensive linemen. But he's got to stop that habit of bouncing things to the outside because these NFL linebackers are going to eat him up. Uh, the other negative that I had about him is this guy's like 220 pounds. He's got tree trunks for legs. He has no power that I've really seen yet. So I'd like to see him play with some more power. I don't know if that's really a flaw or just something I'd like to see him change about his game. But he is he's lights out especially in the passing game. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to spoil one of our draft on draft questions is, you know, for today because it is about Barkley and it's it's from somebody that sent us a lot of good questions over the previous weeks and Anthony Mangalazulo. Uh at, you know, hashtag #draft on draft can Barkley be a three down back right away with his abysmal pass protection? My answer for that question will be just knowing what I know about Barkley's work ethic, which is some of the best in the entire country, is that give him this year he came in as a true freshman, was an excellent starter. Christian Hackenberg was still there, was excellent last year when Trace McSorley was the quarterback. And year number three, listen, he's the type of guy where he sees something he needs to work on, and it's going to get better. So after this year, we'll be able to answer that question. I don't think – abysmal is – that's tough to say because he, guys can look bad when everyone around them looks bad. It's – you know, Christian Hackenberg was not good against pressure – I don't think McSorley was fantastic. I mean, listen, he's a first-year starter, but, but the bottom line is the line wasn't that great, and it can put Barkley in a really bad spot at times because you might have to pick up two guys and pick one, and it could just make you look bad. So give it this year. I think he's going to improve a lot, and I think he is going to show he's a three-down back right away. Yeah, my thing with him, and and I know Marshall saw the same thing, I didn't think he was that bad. Um, and I, I would also say, like you said, Connor, in college, I almost look more for willingness than technique because you could coach it. You know, there are some guys like Dalvin Cook, who I just didn't think wanted to pass protect. There are other guys like Dante Foreman, who uh, he looked pro ready. But that's something that you can work on. I look at Barkley's ability as a receiver out of the backfield. You know, what he, he caught 28 balls last year, 20 the year before. He has that ability to be an impact in the passing game. And, and as you mentioned, we're talking about a guy who has great work ethic. And, and you know, I would I would point again to that offensive line that I do not think is very good. Um, you know, you can look at the fact that I think he only had five games over 100 yards last year. Um, he's a guy who he's setting himself up a lot. So I, I don't credit that offensive line for a lot of his success. And in the in the past game, you know, when when you're when you're behind a line like that, you know, you're, you're asked to make some pretty tough decisions, too. 
I was honestly, I was more impressed with him in the passing game than I was the running game. They don't, they're not just sending this guy out on screens, slipping to the outside and stuff like that. He's actually a route runner. And like you said, Matt, his willingness to block, I mean, McSorley held on to that ball a lot sometimes. And teams just, yeah, he really did. They blitzed the hell out of Penn State. So he did a good job of recognizing where that blitz is coming from and picking it up. And now, you know, for the other guy, I wrote about both of these guys together because I, it's going to be fascinating to watch them this year because there is going to be conversation on who's better, and they're going to have the opportunity to showcase that in Darius Geis from LSU. He looked better at times than Leonard Fournette last year where he runs with power, he runs angry, He's got a little bit of that Marshawn mindset where it's like, this could be my last run or like nobody's stopping me until I get into the end zone. And it's it's a joy to watch. Now, you know, I would I, I love to see another season of it, of course, but I think it's super close between these two. And I think it's only going to get closer, you know, with another year of guys ahead of us. Geis is he's fascinating because he does run angry and whether it's you know people might compare him to like you said Marshawn they might compare him to you know a little bit of a Sean Alexander type like I mean he is he's physical and I I think you can look at you know he's 5'11 215 but the way that he's built the way he carries that weight and what he was asked to do um, like you mentioned when Fournette was hurt there were times he looked better and he had some success uh I like him as a, a one cut player. I think that's where he's at his best. So I, yeah, you look at Marshawn, especially Marshawn when he was like with the Bills or at Cal. I think that's close to who Darius guys can be. I'm interested to see what he can do over the course of a season because there were a lot of weeks last year where he had five carries, three carries, and then he would turn around and have yep. 37 against Texas A&M. So it, let's just see what he could do over the course of the year. But I'm really excited to see him and and watch him kind of break out because I, like you said, he has, he has the potential to be a, a, you know, a top 10 player as well. When you, you look at the size, the speed, and just that, that kind of meanness that he runs with. And that offense didn't drop off from Fournette to guys. They were still no, just as productive. He's got that, that size. He doesn't look like he's 215. I thought, I mean, he plays like he's about 230, but yeah, I think he's time, bigger. He's got great breakaway speed ability. He ripped off a 94-yarder against Arkansas and just blew right by the safeties. So he's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, when he gets to the second level of the field, it's it's a nightmare. There's no doubt about it. And I do think he's bigger than his – I mean, LSU has him listed at 212 I'm looking at right now. He's He's got to be up to at least 220. And, I mean, he's just going to be a joy to watch this year, especially, you know, in the SEC. So, Connor, now, Connor this, one guy that I didn't yeah. see on your list. That let's, let's throw him in here real quick. It's Mike Weber at Ohio State. Um, yes, he's in kind of a gadgety offense and he doesn't get a ton of clean looks, but it, he's worth mentioning for a couple reasons, but one, because he was super productive last year. Also because he has a bet with Darius guys and Saquon Barkley to see who will have the most yards next year. So we got to keep an eye on these three guys to see what I they do next year. That. But Mike Weber built similarly to guys more of a, I think more of a pass catcher. Um, and again, he's used in a re- a weird role where he's, you know, he's blocking for JT Barrett as much as he's running the ball. And he gets a lot on sweeps and outside plays, but I, he's someone that I, I put pretty high on my list to watch for next season. Yeah. And the expectations were really big, you know, coming into Ohio state for him. So that's a real, that's a really good name to add to the list. 
Um, that's right. He did redshirt in 2015. I was trying to think. Right. I was like, is he eligible? He This year he is eligible. That's right. So this will be year three for him as a redshirt sophomore. Um, now the two guys that I find the most fascinating in this class, not off of talent, but off of where they go, is the two guys that return to school, the rarity for the running back, and that's Nick Chubb and Royce Freeman. We've been hearing first round for them forever. You know, they've both had injuries. Freeman seems to get really banged up last year. But when they're on, you could have made the argument at the time that they were the best running back in the country for each of them when they were on. Now, how much does the mileage that they're going to take affect their stock heading into this year? I think that's a lot of it. You look at, we talked earlier about fourth year quarterbacks. You never see fourth year running backs anymore. And they both opted to come back to school in a, you know, last year was billed as the deepest running back class people had ever seen. So you understand why someone might want to go back, especially with some injury history. I thought Chubb played really well last year. He's kind of reinvented himself as a power back. I like that from him. Uh, You know, he shares carries in that backfield with, uh, Sonny Michelle, and, and he's going to be a player. Another guy. About a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see. Chubb came out last year against North Carolina, ran for 222, and, and then I thought he kind of petered off a little bit throughout the rest of the year. So I want to see him uh, again over the course of a season to see where he's at. When I look at Royce Freeman, I mean the dude has size, speed. You know, he looks like he should be a great NFL running back. I guess my biggest concern is that I've never seen a running back come from that system and have success in the NFL. I think it's just a really steep learning curve. It's a really tough acclimation. He finished the year very strong, though, after he had banged up through the middle of the season. So just on athleticism, Royce Freeman is someone that you, you really can't overlook because he's a freak in terms of size, speed, you know, power, and, and what he can do in the pass game. You know, We saw him last year catch, I think, like almost 25 passes. So he has a lot of potential on third down. I like Freeman quite a bit, too. Uh, this guy ran for 1,800 yards as a sophomore. So, I mean, he's got that ability. He's big. He's a big guy. He looks good when his feet are good. That guy stops his feet way too much for me, though. If you watch some of this tape on him, he's trying to cut a lot. I mean, he's 230. Lower that shoulder and get through these guys. Yeah. like, yeah, he, like likes to, he likes to play the elusive game. Yep. Yeah. It's the same thing. And um, your guy from Texas, Deonta Foreman, was another guy that you look at him like, oh, my God, he's a powerhouse. And they prefer to, you know, and don't get me wrong, for their size, it's pretty impressive how they can, how elusive they are. But it's just sometimes you'd like to see them finish with power instead. Yeah, to to initiate contact. I I think, you know, as Texas fans, we can be pretty critical of Foreman. you got to look for that hit a little bit more. Um, Like Darius Geis, you want to be that guy who will run through contact instead of the guy who's... Uh, let me let me try to shake you in the open field. Like, dude, you're 230. Run his ass over. Like, come on. Uh, get low and, and make something happen. Yeah, and a guy that definitely will, which shouldn't have any problem just running through people is the six foot three, 230-pound Kalen Bellage. And this is oh. a, a guy that Matt's, Matt's already done a spotlight on, a spotlight video at Bleacher Report here with us on him. Uh, I'm going to let him, you know, kind of take the floor a bit on this one in, in a second. Balaj is such an interesting player when you strictly look at a game-by-game performance. Yeah. He obviously ripped Texas Tech apart with eight total touchdowns, you know, averaging over 10 yards a carry. And then he looked good against Washington State, you know, averaging nearly seven yards a carry. Then there's games where he just he's a non-factor. He, they only give him the ball at the goal line, and he just absolutely disappears. Matt, tell us why going into the, the fourth year of his career at Arizona State – you know, why is this the year? 
Why does he break out? I think he's going to have more help this year in terms of a, more of an offense around him. Also, yeah, they're, bad, they're a bad team. I think that coaching staff is under fire a little bit, so maybe we'll see them feed the beast a little bit more. Uh, I think, you know, just in terms of athleticism, he's not that different from Derrick Henry, and he's a better He's a better receiver. I mean, he caught 10 balls against Arizona. Uh, he he caught over 100 yards against Oregon, over 100 yards against Utah. So like you said, against Tech, and that was the first time I'd watched him play, he rushed 13 times and scored seven touchdowns. Like, when you see someone doing that, and like you said, it is somewhat short yardage, but he also averaged 10 and a half yards a carry. So he is a massive human being. And I, and I think that on a better team, we would talk about him a lot more. Like, imagine if he played for Boise State with that offense and that offensive line, you know, just putting him in a, a situation to succeed instead of at Arizona State where they have no offense and it's such a terrible team. But he's someone, you know, I mean, he's not even the full-time starter there. So it's definitely a leap of faith. But just on the production we've seen in limited situations, he's a guy that you have to talk about as a potential top 10 back next year just because if he puts it all together there aren't many human beings who look like this dude who can move like he does one thing we talked about last night too matt was that there's going to be running backs that pop up that haven't had that production but they're going to come out of nowhere kind of like foreman did last year i mean he was on our radar because we watch him but some of these running backs like maybe a weber they're going to have that production this year and then scouts are going to look at them yeah, no doubt. It's always good. That's and that's why we're doing these previews, and we're not getting over you know over the top to go five to seven guys for each one. But you got to throw in guys there that you're like, hey, you might not know this guy, but you're going to very soon. And I think Pac-12 fans are very aware of Balage, but I think outside of that, he's not exactly what you'd call a household name, just because of not you know eye popping stats. Areas like a guy like Geiser Barkley. The last guy we're going to talk about today, I think everybody knows. I mean, he's an absolute freight train. Another. It's like they build them in a factory at this point <laughs> in Alabama, these running backs. Like, they just pump them out. You're, and they got Najee Harris, who's like 6'3 and a half and going to be well over 215 pounds, you know, coming in as a five-star recruit, number one overall recruit. So they just had these giant running backs year after year, and it's Bo Scarborough. And, you know, kind of interesting, he got hurt in the championship game, so he's got to work his way back from that. And, you know, anything lower. It, it broke a foot in his – it broke a bone in his leg, I believe, but – Man, when you talk about someone that's a little scary at the next level and just runs, he's a bit like a moose, essentially. I yeah, mean, he's I, unreal. What's the upside for him is my biggest question. Yeah, I don't know. How does he get any better? Because I, I think, he, talk about somebody who completely lacks lateral agility, you know, it would be both yes. <laughs> But straight ahead, he's a bulldozer. So, you know, he has that, you know, we, we've talked the previous episodes. We talked to Taylor Lawan about is the NFL going to swing back to more power style football? Bo Scarborough is perfect for that. He has to prove that he can stay healthy and that he can stay conditioned. I think those are the biggest. Yes, that's a big one. If he's ever going to become the guy at Alabama, we need to see more of that from him. And like you said, you know, Najee Harris is there. They have a talented depth chart at running back. So is it is Scarborough going to you know get the carries or somebody you know uh, Damian Harris uh, is still there he's probably going to be the number one back but Scarborough sharing carries with Hertz Joshua Jacobs like they have all these players who are going to touch the ball he is someone who and I I know Alabama fans are going to get pissed off for me saying this I think he's more like gimmick than he is threat right now like I just I haven't seen him consistently be the guy who takes over games and that you can rely on as a number one back i agree with you there matt i mean if this guy was six foot tall 
210, would we be talking about him like we are? But he's six no. three, no, no shot, two thirty, and I mean, at Alabama, yeah. And then that picture came out, that tweet of him as like seventeen, he looked like a grown ass man. So I don't know, kind of reminds me of like a Sean Oakman from Baylor. Like, oh wow, he looks amazing, but is he is he really a prospect? Yeah, he wins. The, you know, getting off the bus award, he's the guy you send off the bus first, no doubt. I mean, he is he's terrifying looking, but uh, the conditioning point is such a it's a underrated and such a low key. But fantastic point because that's going to be the big thing for him if he wants, you know, to really have that year where he just is – he's the best running back in the country. And I don't know if he'll hold up for that. Now, he may so, win the Heisman I mean, because they can't throw yeah, the ball. Yeah, you're right. I know. But that doesn't mean he's Man. going to be a great prospect. Yeah, as we've seen many a times in the past. Uh, was there anyone else you guys wanted to sneak in? I think that right. I mean, listen, I know people are going to listen to this and be like, hey, you forgot about this guy. You forgot about this guy. We could talk about these prospects for hours and hours here, but you know we got to wrap it up. Throw in a couple of low key names, but really highlight the top guys this summer. No, I think a lot of the, you know, most of the great players that we know about came out last year. You know, you can look at, you know, the rushing yardage leaders from last year. They almost all came out. You know, so I, I don't see anyone out there who it's like, okay, yeah, we got to make sure we talk about this guy. You know, Saquon Barkley is the one everyone knows, but Darius Geis is certainly up there. At, you know, I, I don't see anyone. Miles Gaskin, maybe at Washington, would be the only yep, one. That's actually um, – Who will be a junior. A He's a little bit smaller, 5'10". He'll probably crack 200 pounds this year. Um, he he would be a guy to watch for Pac-12 fans as somebody who could sneak up list. And I, I think he's shaky, shifty enough, but – Man, against good defenses, he just did not play well last year. You know, Alabama shut him down. USC shut him down. Um, I think early in the year I watched him play Rutgers maybe, and he didn't have a very good game. So he he has to prove himself a little bit still. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Actually, one name I do want to throw out there quick is to see the return of Thomas Tyner. Oh, yeah. Who had such a promising start to his career at Oregon. Injuries really got the best of him. You know, left football. And now he's coming back this year with Oregon State. And there was so much promise with him. And with Ryan Nall and him in the same backfield, you have so much speed and power and the way you can rotate them. And it, I'm, I just wouldn't sleep on him is all I'll say in his return. And I'm sure we'll talk a so, ton about him on the draft show when that comes back because Steven Nelson loves both of them. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. Um you know, and we're going to get back to doing the scouts quote this week because I, I know you guys love that, and it's it is really interesting to hear. You know, teams are thinking or saying this early in the year. It, one thing that I, you know I came across recently is that you know the hype on Minka Fitzpatrick at Alabama is for real. Just to put it in perspective, I, you know, I had one evaluator tell me he's the first Alabama defensive back that I've seen in the last decade that can actually cover. <laughs> There's always concerns about them, the way they're taught the way they're coached, what they're asked to do coming out. Listen, that's not saying Alabama defensive backs don't go early in the draft because they do. We've seen over the years, and we've seen enough of them fail. I saw it firsthand with D. Milner. I mean, you don't have to tell me twice about just it going awful. But the hype on Minka is for real. He's probably going to be a top 15 pick next year. He's had that kind of career already for Alabama. Uh, He's way better than Marlon Humphrey was, and we saw his rise this year. So I just thought that was really interesting that, you know, it's already out on him that he's kind of the guy to keep an eye on in this. What will be a really good defensive back class, I think. Yeah, I think that you can look at him and say there's a little 
like Jalen Ramsey here because I think there will be a debate about if he's a corner or a free safety, but yes. probably going to be a top 15 pick when it's all said and done, like you said, because he was last year, like, you know, Anthony Averett's a good player, but I thought Fitzpatrick was the best player in that secondary last year, even with Marlon Humphrey, even when Andy Jackson was healthy, even with all that yep. talent. So my uh, scouts quote of the week, it's going to be about Josh Allen. Um, and I talked to a scout who covers that area and told him, Hey, I'm going to be at that Wyoming, Iowa opener, scouting Josh Allen and scouting the Hawkeyes. You know, let's let's meet up. And he said that he saw Josh Allen's one of his workouts, maybe sometime last year. He said it was the mo- most impressive quarterback workout he'd ever seen. But here's the quote for you: He said, "Barring something unforeseen, Josh Allen will be the top-rated quarterback I've ever evaluated." That's just one guy, but that tells it's so you bit. it's huge. It tells you how the NFL sees him. And again, it's one guy, it's one area scout, it's not the gospel, we got a whole season ahead of us, but the hype on him coming into the year is justified. A lot of people on Twitter, maybe some people listening, have been, wow, this kid threw 55% of his passes, you know, he threw five picks against Nebraska. People in the NFL absolutely love Josh Allen right now. Did this scout, was he scouting when Andrew Luck came out? <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> that's a good question. I'll have to follow up and ask because, uh, you know, probably not, honestly, um, to, okay. give, to give context for that because what was that, 2012? So probably not. Um, and, and, you know, listen, you guys know luck is the gold standard for me at the position. Um, and I don't know that anyone will ever have that type of – like Andrew Luck was the offensive coordinator at Stanford as a junior. You know, you're not going to get that. But it, it is – I think a lot of people, you know, when I came out last year and said – Josh Allen would be a top five pick if he entered the draft. A lot of people pushed back on that. No, 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 no. You know, you're way ahead of this. I think it's one of those things we're going to see as the season gets here that that is a lot of people think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in the NFL feel like, you know, Hey, this kid has it. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. And as we've seen with, you know, Blake Bortles or Pat Mahomes or, you know, whomever it might be, those traits went out over a lot of other things when it when we actually get down to evaluating quarterbacks. Yeah, and for the people that didn't believe you, just read you know Bleacher Report's Adam Kramer who's an one of, just an awesome writer. He wrote a story on Allen that came out in May and it detailed Allen had packed his bags. He yeah. had packed his bags to go train for the draft and everyone was like, "Oh, you know, there was people that did like him, don't get me wrong, but the NFL was way ahead on the you know the general public of like hey this guy might find his way into that top 10 top five and it got back to Allen to the point where he was done he was out he said goodbye to everyone he packed his bags and he had a I mean you want to talk about a last minute change of heart well I don't he, that's exactly what he had I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this that he reached out to me and said hey with Luke Falk and Mason Rudolph going back to school where do you think I would be drafted and I I was honest I told him let me talk to some people uh, and then I'll, I'll tell you what they tell me. And then I'll give you my opinion. And, you know, we went back and forth for weeks right up to the deadline. And I was fortunate enough to be able to break that news that he was staying in school because we had developed that relationship. But my advice to him was go back to school. Uh, what I heard from executives and Connor, you know, because you were there with me for some of this is that people were saying, listen, the Chicago Bears would probably draft you at three. Yeah, I remember you. You had it in your mock. It was the biggest thing in your mock draft. The, the from the amount of mock drafts you write throughout the entire spring, that was the by far the one that hit the most yeah, across so the country. It's crazy. Um, the kid 
a lot of people are excited about him and and about you know we talked about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen last week. People are excited about them too. But man, it, it's going to be a fun year evaluating these quarterbacks, and we we will be. We'll be at, at Week One, Iowa uh, versus Wyoming, getting to see him in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Was it 2004 that all those quarterbacks came out? Manning, Rivers, Roethlisberger. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it reminds me of that class. You have your kind of athletic small school kid, Roethlisberger. You have your golden child, born to play quarterback, Manning, Rosen. Yep. And then this big California shit, kid right. who kind of throws the ball funny. Yeah, that's, that's a good comp. Which is probably actually that's probably why I like Darnold because I was a Rivers guy. That's actually oh, a- yeah. That and the release, the outlier of that, and by I mean that's perfect for you then. Yeah. And that's they're probably complete, and they're going to have success probably pretty similar to what those three are doing i was gonna say and the thing is the difference with those three is like big arms obviously but they you can see a scenario where all three are actually very good where is this class (laughs) oh god oh i actually laughed at that you know being a young kid rooting for the jets so i didn't really care but uh of course we're gonna close this out with a little draft on draft and Speaking of draft on draft, I finished off my line and kugels this weekend, which was awesome. So thanks to them for uh, chipping in on our last couple draft on drafts. Boys, you all ready for this? Uh, so ready. Here's what's funny. Any, any uh, cans? No cans because <laughs> we just got back from vacation. Um, so we 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 got our fill over the weekend, that's for sure. But um, I'll I'll imagine I'm having one right now. Yeah, a little detox period never hurt anyone after vacation. All right, so we answered the Barkley question. Uh, this one from Rich Rosefort at sub zero two four zero one. What are your thoughts on Mason Rudolph asking for when the Jets mess around and win eight games and wind up with the sixteenth pick? Hashtag draft on draft. That that's a great question. Uh, I do think the Jets will not. I I don't think the Jets will win eight games. They are pretty awful. I don't know if they'll pick first, and that would be a disappointment probably if they didn't. But as for Mason Rudolph, I was really surprised he didn't declare last year. I think he would have went around the third round, early third round. You know, I like he can throw with touch at times. I think he has a pretty good arm. I think when you look at upside as a starter in the NFL, I don't really know if it's there. I think he's a guy you'd want to tailor as a long-term backup. He's definitely a guy that can come in and play. And listen, I've seen him push the ball down the field, what I like, but Sometimes it listen, there's a receiver there in James Washington that he's the guy making the plays for him a lot. And if you want to talk about the top prospect coming out of that program, I think you should be looking his way. Yeah, I every time I talked to had Mason Rudolph in the fourth round uh, or later. Uh, I think that sometimes we look at stats and, and guys who win on Saturdays that doesn't always translate to the NFL. So he comes into the year. With uh, he definitely has a, an uphill battle to climb in, in terms of getting in there with you know guys like the big three, you know, Darnell Rosen, Allen, Luke Falk. He's he's a step behind those guys. We kind of talked about it last week though. There's probably going to be a lot of quarterback need. I was higher on Rudolph than you were, Matt. I I kind of like him. I want to see what he can do this year though. Is he a product of that system? He's a guy that has all. Of all the traits that you want. I mean, he's a big guy. He's an athlete. So I want to see what he can do this year. I think he could sneak up into like a mid first round range. Yeah. I like the big playability and it's his rise is going to be interesting. When you look at this class, listen, say those three guys we've talked so much about do go in the top 15, top 10, you know, they're like, we, we talked about this so much on last week's episode. I believe the quarterback needy teams 
and guys like Falk and Rudolph, they can find their way into the early second round for those quarterback needy teams. So it'll, it, he he can definitely find his way up. I think going back could pay off for him in the long run. Uh, the next question from Phil at P. Kafaro. Are there any elite? I know Matt's got both of you got got an answer teed up for this one. Are there any elite offensive line prospects waiting in the wings for the 2018 draft? So uh, yeah. I'll let you guys run away with this one. You guys were made to answer this. There's a kid at Texas named Connor Williams. Uh, he's the next Joe Thomas. Let's just get it out there. I'm going to get real early on it. He's he's athletic. He's mean. He's tough. Uh, he's worked. Uh, on his body to get you know stronger and uh you know he's he he is i think a top five pick in the draft he's only given up one sack in two years and it was on a a dumb quarterback scramble so it's hard to see because texas has been so bad the last two years but connor williams is one of the best players in the country he only gave up one sack and those quarterbacks hold on to the damn football forever so yeah very athletic he came in probably weighing like 270 now he's already up north of 300 pounds very good athlete, very good feet. I like him quite a bit. Probably a little bit biased, but we'll see. Yeah. And Mike McGlinchey at yeah. Notre Dame is good. Mitch Hyde at Clemson yes. is good. We're going to have to keep an eye on Orlando Brown um, at uh, Oklahoma. I think size is maybe an issue uh, that we have to look at there because he might be too big. But next year's offensive line class, Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame is very good. I was just going to say, McGlinchey's got a very, very good teammate of his on that offensive line in Quentin Nelson. He's impressive. You know, this year I think was down uh, as far as offensive line goes. Next year we should see it go back up. Yeah, and, what you know, one thing I like about, you know, your guy's guy at Texas is that – because, you got, Matt, you've been talking about him forever. You had that report last fall that, you know, he might be the next Joe Thomas. Is that, man, he's been playing like this at, what, 290, 295. As you see him get bigger now over the years, it's like, well, he's got the mean streak – He's strong. Just because you don't weigh 300 pounds doesn't mean you're not strong. He's strong. So I think when you see him put on that size and get more experience and playing with quarterbacks that do have a little bit better of an idea what to do in the pocket, you could see him have a really big year and solidify his way into that top 15. I think the new strength and conditioning people at Texas are going to make a pretty big difference. Um, So I'm excited to see what he really weighs in at, like what he really looks like, because I watched the spring game and thought he looked completely different. So uh, just he looks more solid. So I want to see where he's at now. To me, he looks like Eric Winston did it. Oh, William. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Which is a big guy that can move. Um, our last question here, or one of the last, I still got to dig through, but this one from Ant, because everyone was so mad about the Warriors winning the championship. Uh, at Ant underscore the Oreo, mostly mad because it feels that the Thunder could have been their own dynasty a few years ago, yet here we are, hashtag draft on draft. Listen, and this can you could talk about this for all sports. when you, see, you don't see it as much in the NFL, but a player going to a team, just a better opportunity, it's, it's hard to actually get really pissed at them. The thing is, it, it, it ruins the product. It's as simple as that. Like, it, it, Was the NBA great this year? No. It wasn't a competitive product, so that's why people are mad. But don't get mad at Kevin Durant because he found an opportunity to win a championship and play for a better team. And I don't even know Harden, Westbrook, and him together is—I don't really know if that would have ever worked long term. But yeah, I, I always get confused when fans get so pissed about, like, hey, uh, you know, uh, you know, screw this guy because he went to a ch- you know a team that has a better chance at winning a championship and ruined everything for us. But everyone does that in football. Everyone, like Tony Jefferson, becomes a free agent and. You know, he talks to your Jets. 
He goes to the Ravens because he wants to win a ring. Who gives a shit? Like, go win a ring, man. Like, why? I don't understand why in basketball that's a negative. Like, Eric Hosmer is probably going to be a Yankee, and it's going to suck, but I get it. Like, that's the way the world works. Why is it the player's fault for wanting to win? Yeah, well, that one will hit home for me because I don't want to see the Yankees get Machado and maybe Harper because <laughs> I'm a Mets fan, and it's just a nightmare. But you're right. But that, that's me talking as a fan again. Yo, so before – yeah, go ahead. Back to the, the finals thing. I'll tell you, I'm pissed about it. I was going for the Cavs hard, and I let my mouth do some talking, and I got in trouble. So I shout out my boys, uh, Dan and Mitch. We had a bet going. Oh, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah I got drug into this. Yeah. I said. The, <laughs> oh, of course you did. You can never turn down a bet, I ever. Know, I know. <laughs> I said Cavs had it in six. I wasn't betting against LeBron, and they called me out on it. So now me and Matt have to chug uh, five beers each. Just back to back to back because the Cavs couldn't do it. So, thanks, LeBron. That's the the losing part of the bet. Yeah, I had the Cavs. Oh, that's winning. not. I would have made that bet too. Yeah, the, they were. They had to do five shots back to back to back if the Warriors won. So Mello at least negotiated us good terms. <laughs> yeah, well done, Mello. That's a you played them. And then, and then we like got it. it. We got it down to it's just one pitcher. We have to chug a pitcher of beer, so not too bad. I really wanted to see them do those five shots, though. I think they should for yeah, solidarity. Um, but that would yeah. end well. Congrats to Mitch and Dan for winning. Um, <laughs> I guess it's going to be. Um, I don't know when that's going down, but we'll, we will keep everyone updated on the on the progress. Maybe we'll Facebook Live it or something. I want to get. I'm going to be that guy. I don't want to close draft on draft yet. I want to get Matt tweeted today who will be the best back in the NFL this season. I'm asking scouts, coaches, and execs for Thursday's scouting notebook. So, obviously, the podcast is released on Wednesday, so we'll give you guys a little sneak peek. Matt, who's the front runner right now out of your polls? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is Wow. Is that more of a product of talent, or is it a product of where he is? I I think it's both, Um, and that's something I'm going to follow up with. You know, okay, well, if he played for Minnesota, would you feel the same way? But uh, yes. Ezekiel Elliott is, you know, there's, I think there's one person so far has said Johnson um, and one Le'Veon Bell. I'm looking at the replies right now. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, obviously not everyone's got back to me yet. So hope to get 10 to 15 answers yep. there. But I'm interested. What do you guys think? Is it David Johnson? Is it Le'Veon Bell? Is it Ezekiel Elliott? Is it Jordan Howard? Who might it be? Mello, go ahead, man. Uh, I know my, I got mine locked and loaded. I'm so I already biased for David Johnson. Just watching him at the Senior Bowl and seeing he's a complete back. He's not a problem in the locker room. You don't have to worry about him missing the first four games because he's suspended like Bell. He's not going to go pull some woman's shirt down in a parade like Zeke will. So I got to go with David Johnson. Man, we're always we always that's a good thing about this podcast. All three of us have such different answers. It's Le'Veon Bell for me. Um, now here's the thing I'm concerned about. I he wants a contract. He should get one. Should not sign the franchise tag. I understand in the long term he probably will have to. So the longer he doesn't show up is always scary. But if he's on the field this year, and once again, do I think the Steelers have as much talent in front of him as the Cowboys do for Zeke? No. But what he can do in the passing game and just as a runner, I don't. He's so creative. He's strong. 
He's just a full package. I would go with Le'Veon Bell. I think it's cl- those three, though. And it, listen, those three answers we just gave are pretty much the consensus of what you're going to get from everyone else. Yeah. Outside of those three, there's not really any dark horse candidates where you say, well, you know, maybe him. I saw some people wrote back to you, Jordan Howard, probably just Bears I think fans. If you're a Bears fan I like or I, yeah. Dolphins fans are saying JHIA, but I mean, those are going to be outliers. Yeah. And, and hey, maybe you. Maybe you strike gold and the guy rushes for 1,600 yards, but it's a surprise. Um, you know, what? here's what's interesting to me. No one is saying Todd Gurley. And I think a year ago, Ooh, yeah. people would have been Forgotten talking that. about Todd Gurley. But because the year he just had, no one's talking about the dude. So he needs a bounce back season. And Jared Goff needs him to have a bounce back season or else they'll sink together. That's good the Lord. truth. Hopefully Sean McVay can can get that turned around. You know, it's it's funny. I think he can. Like contrary to popular belief, I want every team to play well because it makes my job better when teams are good. So it's not like, you know, I don't hate any team and and neither do you guys. You know, you just want to see teams and players perform well. So I hope the Rams can bounce back because I think it'll make football a lot more fun. All right, guys. Well, that was uh, episode nine of Just Us. Everyone was stuck with Just Us today, but it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot to talk about, and we're going to have a lot to talk about the entire summer. Next week, wide receivers? Next week, wide receivers. Yes. I, we tentatively have Tony Jefferson of the Baltimore Ravens Ooh. as our guest. We're going to talk to him about recruiting Jeremy Macklin, recruiting Eric Decker, um, which I've continue to hear that could happen really, really soon. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to remind everybody here at the end, we're going to plug the shit we always plug. Uh, follow us on Twitter at stick to football. We're almost to 3000 followers uh, at, at which time Connor will wear a romper and take pictures. Yes. Um, you got to order one. Yeah. You got to like, uh, or excuse me, rate review, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or tune in. Uh, I think we're almost to 75. So we're getting closer. Uh, we're getting up there close to a hundred. So thank you all for listening. Thanks for helping spread the word and I'm excited, man. Show number 10 coming up next week and it, it should be a good one. Yeah. And we always have you guys leave different reviews each week. I would say this week you want to hear, you know, how you stack the running backs, which would be great. Obviously, if you haven't stacked the quarterbacks for us, talk about whatever you want. Matt, we forgot something very important. Do oh. you know what it is? I do not. Oh, we forgot to talk about French fries. We did. Well, there's not much to talk about because sweet fries are the best, unless we're counting steak fries in this. But uh, let me just say this. No, you've been dying to talk about this. Tater tots are not French fries. Like, they're not. No, they're not. They're not bad, though. Maybe I'm in the wrong part of the country for this. Every tater tot I've ever purchased has been overcooked. So I think the the last good tater tots I had were like in high school. Like, so maybe, I don't know. Cafeteria tater tots. Yeah, I mean, you live, you live a mile from me. Do the tater tots here suck as much as I think they do? Or am I just weird? Uh, I got to disagree with you there. I don't think they're that bad. I'm not a tater tot guy, but they're not that bad. But you do have to find a happy medium. I mean, if they're undercooked, it's just disgusting. And then overcooked, you don't want to have to deal with all that crunchiness. See, and I, I think we talked about this a little on vacation, and you know, Mitch's wife Amy said that it so much of it depends on what you're dipping them in. So, like, if you give me tater tots with like some beer cheese, maybe I have a different point of view on this. But I think waffle fries are the best. Um, and, and let's close it out. Uh, I know Connor, you said sweet potato fries. I'm gonna go waffle fries. Mellow. What's the right take on this? Which are the best fries? I'm going steak fries. Yeah, steak fries I think let it go. Yeah, if we're if we're throwing steak fries into this, which I guess anything goes, I, I would agree with Mellow. I do love steak but fries. Oh, yeah, you're the best. So that uh, yeah. So leave that. Rank your fries. 
God, we're just getting terrible with these reviews. Terrible, but good. And and as you guys know, uh, we're trying to we're trying to keep it off beat throughout the summer. So let us know uh, topics, people you want us to talk to. We'll do our best to get them on. And thanks again for listening. We'll talk to y'all in a week. Oh,